The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hi, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast via BBC Sounds. This week, Christine Lavelle was my special guest, taking your calls on everything from kiwi fruit, maple trees and penstemons. We've also got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden, not forgetting ever the plant of the week. We go straight to your calls, and this week we start with Brian from Chadwell Heath. Hello, Brian. Oh, good morning to you. I remember when you had your place down at Abridge. That was very, you know, very good. A few years ago that was now, yes. <laughs> that was, yeah. The question that I want to ask today is that I have a kiwi plant and uh, it's supposed to be a female one. Right. I had one before, but it was an all-male one. So I said, Mr. Well, if I can get a female one, so well and good, it might produce fruit. But last year it didn't. So I don't know whether... Well... Uh, I mean, it's about six to eight foot long at the moment, and it looks very, very healthy. Do I prune it, or, or what do I do with it, Ken? <laughs> well, Christine, because we used to have to have a male and a female, but there's also there's a variety now that will produce fruit on its own, isn't there? Yeah, there's there's one that's got a male and female. Yeah, it it does it does it all for you. Now, what I'm worried about is Brian that you've just bought a female one. Now, if you've just bought a female, you might not get the fruit without the male. Yeah, you have to get the male as well then. So you need to go to a garden centre and be very specific. Did you buy it from a garden centre? Uh, yes, I did. Well, it, actually, you... it was in Chelmsford. Oh well, we won't go into where it was from. <laughs> we'll be careful yeah. there. But did you um, did you actually ask specifically that will it fruit on its own? Well, no. When I saw it in the pot, yeah, and uh, I saw what it was, I said, "E God, lovely! I could do with a kiwi fruit." Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it, had a, it was female species. Yeah, but like a fool, I got rid of my other one. So. I couldn't make husband and wife of them. That's right. Well, that's your problem, you see. I think that's what you've ended up with, and I think that's one of the problems. So I think um, you might have to start again or try another male, but the male ones are very prolific, aren't they? Yeah. And Ken and I were just saying this morning as well, it's a a great season for planting at the moment. Yeah. You know, whether you're planting fruit trees, trees, herbaceous or... Climbers. yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it'd be an ideal time to plant it. And yes, I would cut it back, but not until later on, about March time. How far back, Ken? Oh, not ruthlessly. No, you keep a, a basic framework of it. Oh, right. So can you, you know what I'm saying? You keep your framework and cut out all the extra growth that you don't want. Oh, fair enough. All right. Yes, fine. So Thank you I think that. you might have to try again, Brian. <laughs> sorry about that. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> All the Thank best. Bye bye. And that's Brian from Chavel Heath. I went actually to several years ago. I went to yeah. Kent to see a trial on growing kiwi fruit in the UK oh, on you? a farm. Uh-huh. Yeah, they had I don't know half an acre of um, kiwis all on wires, concrete fence posts, right. on wires, and they were training them along the wires to grow them for the UK market. And how did it do? Well, I don't know. They'd been two years into their trials when I got there. Yeah. Um, it's a one of the major farm companies. You know, there's soft fruit companies. Yes. One of the major soft fruit companies right. this was. 
And I actually, I ought to follow it up because it would be interesting to know whether they're still doing it. But, yeah. Yeah. And you can so. get these lovely golden kiwi yeah. fruits as well. Yeah. A friend of mine uh, has got a, a farm out in uh, Portugal, mm-hmm. and that's where they were growing them out there. Yeah. And my brother up in Scotland has actually got a kiwi fruit growing in his garden. So there you are. You see, yep. it can be done. Yeah. So, uh, yes, and if we're not in the EEC, EU anymore, we might have to be growing a bit more stuff in the UK, yeah. might we? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So we will wait and see. I didn't mention anything else other than we might have to. Um, <laughs> let's go to Josh in 8 Ash Green. Hello, Josh. You've given us a call about a maple tree. Is that right? That's right, Ken. Yes. Um, it's, I, I must say that um, some of my friends listening to this will be looking for a darkened room to go and lay down in because um, I'm not by any stretch of the imagination a gardener. Um but we, we have a, a beautiful golden maple um, in the back garden, which um, normally, you know, it sort of sheds its leaves about sort of end of November time uh, and stands and looks pale and wan till um, sort of the beginning of March and then it starts coming out again. Well, this year it's decided to give that a miss and it's in full leaf. I mean, the, some of the leaves have sort of browned off a bit but, you know, there's still, um, I would say, 80% of the leaves are green uh, and no sign of it falling. Um, it, I don't think it's a problem. It's just a curiosity. Uh, why would it do that? Yeah, well, some, year, some years, depending on, well, every year, depending on the weather, the leaf drop will be at different times. It's and, a bit late. Though, yeah, February, well, it is it? really late. And there's an oak tree at Beth Chatter Gardens, and we always try and see when we, um, uh, you know, like make a date to when the last leaf or the, the last leaves will fall off. And it can vary quite a lot between a month. And we've had it right up till Christmas time, but to actually have it, you know, in Into January. F- in January is yeah, ridiculous, isn't it? It is, yeah. But it will be related to the weather. And and as Ken and I were saying earlier, I mean, it was 13 degrees last, last week and it's 9 degrees today. I mean, this is like spring weather. So yes, it'll be confused. Now, the thing is, will it, it's an interesting one, will it drop what it's got? It must do to it form will do. New, It will it do, will, won't it? I reckon if we get any hard frost, they'll be gone overnight. But we yeah, haven't yeah, had... Is. We haven't had any really, really deep hard frosts that have... Uh, penetrated the ground for any length of time and that's probably one of the factors why you've still got the leaves on the tree Yes, I, I must admit although we had a uh, we had a very warm winter um, I think about 2015 and because uh, I remember Christmas Eve having to go out and mow the lawn um, uh, but it, it, it certainly had dropped before Christmas then, you know this is just the first year, it's gone right the way through um, I'm kind of assuming it's going to copy our beech mast, which um, when the new leaf buds come through, they uh, displace the old ones that are on there. Yes. So I'm, I'm kind of assuming that. But it was just such a curiosity that I thought I'd ring in. Yeah, um, I think, you know, well, I mean, I mean, that is what, I mean, you said that you're not a gardener, but I mean, we're all, we're all gardeners if we've got a garden, basically. If, yeah. if we're looking and tending our gardens, we're gardeners. Um, we might not be professional gardeners but we're all gardeners if we do that and 
you've you've picked on something there that's quite interesting that yeah. there are anomalies happening this year that yeah. we've not seen for a long time and it's purely i think i can remember two mild frosts very early on about yeah. about Nove- end of november yeah, but it, it checked it. the growths on some of the dahlias yeah. and the the cannas and, but and that stuff was like, it. that was it yeah so whether we'll get more hard weather josh will be interesting won't it I'll, I'll, uh, I'll certainly keep a track of it because it is uh, it is quite an extraordinary thing, yeah. you know. Because um, other maples, um, we we have an area of woodlands um, about a few miles from us, which has got um, quite a few um, uh, common maples in it. Yeah, and they're all completely denuded. Yes, they uh, are. Yeah, they have been. Just seems to be in competition with the beach miles. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed, Josh, for your call. And um, keep, us in, keep us in touch as well, Josh, because that's an interesting one. Let's, this week, look at Plant of the Week. And I've got Winter Aconite. Well, it's actually Aranthus. It's from the family of Ranunculaceae. Basically, it's a natural woodland plant, and you find it in France, Italy, and down in through the Balklands. It's a tuberous, herbaceous perennial. And it grows about six inches high. But I tell you what, it looks like a field of buttercups when it gets going because they have got a buttercup-shaped flower. Now, it's got three... It's, it's a beautiful three-leaf bracts, green bracts, underneath it. So, in fact, it looks really very prominent with its six sepals and the petals are sort of tubular. Produces lots of seed, which spread amongst the area and create, over years, a carpet. I suppose it's poisonous, but does that put, put us off putting it in a garden? Well, it shouldn't at all. The leaves disappear through the summer, so don't forget where they are because you don't want to dig them up. It actually grows anywhere, north, south, east, west. Prefers a little bit of shelter, woodland aspects, well-drained, but must be moist, which is why I'm saying woodland and any soil. It's lovely and can be used as an underplanting sort of plant that brightens up your garden in a cottage garden at uh, the right time of the year when you need a bit of cheering up. I know it's in several gardens that I visit and it's always a joy to see. It's pretty well pest free. Um, It can get to affected by a bit of a bacterial problem but very unusual so don't worry about it pest free get down that garden center you can buy them in pots at this time of the year winter aconites or look out for them a bit later on when you can buy them in a hard sort of uh, yeah it's like it's a corm it's really hard tuberous corm tough buy them start them off in a pot I'll put them straight in the ground. Don't forget, winter aconite. Bob from Billericay. Follow that, Bob. Yeah, good morning, Ken. Good morning, good. Christine. Hi. Good morning. Um, yeah, I've got a query about some pentamens. Yeah. I grew, I, I grew them. I've got quite a lot, and I grew them from seed about four years ago. Um, I've cut them back twice, and this year I've got loads and loads of green growth on the top, but underneath they're pretty scruffy, and I just wonder what, what really to do with them. We, uh, I love pen stems. I think they're one of my they are fantastic, one of the the better plants in the garden. I love them. Yeah, this year they're a lot greener than other years, and it's just as we were saying to the last caller. It's because of the mild the, weather. Yeah, the mild weather. So, um, but 
if you left them and you didn't cut them back round about probably springtime, um, you would just you, you it would actually just start to get a bit top heavy, and then it would start to get yeah. quite bare, and it would get quite bare at the base. So. I would bite the bullet, and then when it got to round about sort of like mid-March time, I would cut them uh, within sort of like maybe about sort of seven centimetres. Yeah, that, yeah, that's fine. From the bottom, you know, like how you would normally do it. And even if you didn't have any buds, pen stems isn't like lavender, that if you cut it back into wood where it didn't have any leaves, uh, lavender doesn't uh, throw out any new bud initials at the bottom and then it just dies back. With pen stems, if you did cut it back into the old wood, it would produce new buds and it would shoot from these bare stems. I see, so you, you don't, don't have to necessarily cut back to a bud? No, you don't, no. No, oh, if, no, if I was doing it, I just I just cut it. Chop, hold them in your hand, chop them, them off, and then chop it as if you were chopping off a ponytail of someone's hair or that. You know, you just don't have to worry about it. just well, chop it across. Much, yes, I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I was in a garden, I think, um, this week, and penstemons yeah. were actually still in flower. Yeah, oh, I can imagine. I've got a few. They're, they're yeah. not much, they're not much, but they are actually flowering. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, if it, it, I'm inclined to leave them while they're flowering and take yeah, them off later on. Yeah, can't you? so if if you do it in March time, that would that would uh, you know yeah. allow the uh, the plant to try and maybe die back a little bit more if we've got any more frost, and then and just cut it back. Because yeah, if you right. cut it back now, uh, and there was some new growth came because it is quite mild, then that could get easily frosted if we get some late frost. So wait till round about mid March. Lovely. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks. Thank uh, That's uh, Bob from Billericay. Give us a call now on 0800 111 4041. That's the number to call. That's 0800 111 4041. Oh, yes, you can send me a message on 81333. That's the text with uh, Essex on the front. Um, there's an answer from Brian. Um, I was talking to Brian. We were talking about Brian's email about he wanted to put stuff on a, a bank. And it was interesting because he just remarks that thanks for the email and the mention. Uh, yes, they listened to the programme on the way back. They were coming, going to Hyde Hall. All right, OK. Which is a great place to go. We're Lovely. lucky enough to have uh, an RHS garden in this county, aren't oh, we? Oh, absolutely. And he said that um, one of the plants we mentioned was Pasciasandra. All right, So yeah. he looked for it there, and uh-huh. there it was growing, Pasciasandra terminalis. Growing, which looked quite nice, so we might go for that. You see, so yes. and that's always a help, isn't it, to see yeah. it growing yes. somewhere. You oh can yeah, act, you can relate to it much better, can't it's you? It's a lovely little plant, that one. Very uh, not used that much, but, is it? But isn't it funny, Ken, how how we say pronounce things differently? Because you say what do you say? I say Pachysandra. Yeah, because it's C H, isn't it? Yeah, I say shh, shh, yeah, Pachysandra. Yeah. But it's a great ground <laughs> cover, and it's evergreen. Yeah. Which is which is really good. Um, we uh, we also oh no no I've gone to the wrong one but I, I wanted to deal with this as well I think it is. Uh, yep. I heard you discuss your comments. No, uh, I will find it in a minute. But in the meantime, um, Jules from Havering Atty Bower. He says his holly didn't bury this year. But what he doesn't, that's on a text, but he, what he's not saying is whether it buried last year. Because yeah. actually bury was good this year generally, wasn't it? It was, Do you yeah. think he means he has, it's not burying or what then? Because um, well, it's a male and female job. Yeah, just it's like back we're, to, yeah. Yeah. we're so talking what, about the, uh, um, the kiwi fruit earlier where you have male and female separate 
plants and that's the same in the holly and most people actually know that about the holly so if I'm ever teaching about separate male and female plants <laughs> I always use the holly you know as an example yeah. and they've all got funny names haven't they because the females are called yeah. by male names so and the silver queen is actually a male, a male and golden king is, is a, female. a female yeah whoever who thought that lot up yeah so it's a yeah it's a golden king that berries and that's, that's actually quite a nice combination with the green the gold and then the, the red berries yeah. So really, if if it's a new plant for Jules, he yeah. should um, go and get. He should check what he's got, whether yeah. it's a male or female, mm-hmm. and then get the alternative. Unless it's Van Toll, because Van Toll is produces fruit on its own, doesn't it? Is it? Oh right, yeah. I'm not sure about that. JC one. Van Toll yes. um, actually produces berry on its own. Oh, fantastic. So that's, that's a good one to get. So the answer is, Jules, you've got to check what one you've got. If not, there's nothing you can do about it, is there? Yeah, unless... Uh, well, so if he's if he's got a young one, it might be that there's no uh, there's no male around. If it has buried in the past and then it hasn't buried this year, well, that's quite unusual, really, because, as you were saying, it was it's a, a good, good year, year for the berries. So whether he's just got a lack of pollinators in his garden because it gets pollinated by butter, the holly blue butterfly and um, things like bumblebees and so on. So they are. Now, we had, I answered Graham Warner, who sent me an email, but he couldn't check, he couldn't find the bit we talked about, so he's come back to me. Um, it was about a Brugmansia, a Brugmansia plant, um, Angel's Trumpet. It says um, he's basically, he's, he's basically, it is being eaten. It's in his conservatory. It was outside until the autumn. It's now three feet tall. It appears to be thriving. We have a problem with something enjoying meals of its leaves. I discovered a very small green caterpillar hiding away in the shoots, which I disposed of. However, the leaves are still being shredded and have small holes in them. I've looked in vain. And our suggestion at the time when this came up was it could be a moth caterpillar because some of those are very tiny, aren't they? Oh, yeah. And you wouldn't see them in the day, would you? Yeah, you wouldn't necessarily see them in the in the day. So, yeah, it probably is some species of moth. Now, what can you do about it? It's in a conservatory, uh, moth caterpillar. It's not going to do a lot of harm to a broodmancia at this time of year, is it? No, not really. Would I you mean, worry about it? Would you spray it? What would you do, do you think? Uh, well, you've got the... It's that organic and organic yeah. sort of um, dilemma, isn't it? So I suppose if you were trying to do it organically, it's to try and see if you could find them and then yeah. just squash them You could do so it at on. night, couldn't you? Yeah, you could do, yeah. With I a mean, torch at night, look yeah. for them. And it's always a good thing to do with your kids and that. Kids always like going out from steps to things yeah. like snails and slugs yeah. and things outside as well. Um, and then you, you could just... You could spray it, but... I'm a bit, yeah, mm, do you really want to spray it, especially if it's in your house and it's in your conservatory and, and so on. And what you've also got to consider is, is the damage too much to put up with? And I think that that's yeah. a good point because we worry, don't we, if a leaf gets brown around the edges, well, it might be dry atmosphere, it could be dry ground, but it doesn't yeah. really worry us you yeah. know, too much. I think we all worry about having it absolute pristine plant that's yes. got no blemishes on Too it. Too much. A bit like how we buy produce in a, a supermarket nowadays. Wrong way. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be the, uh, everything's got to be uniform and it's got to be unblemished and so on. So if it's not causing too much problem... Leave the, alone until the, the spring. Yeah, just leave it and then if you get infected leaves, just pick them off. 
But we've we've actually had a problem, and I've never seen this before, with our Virginias. And it was a little Virginia that we had in the winter garden, and it got this caterpillar last year, and it ate lots of the leaves. And I still haven't haven't managed to get the time to go and find out what it possibly could be. But I'm looking, I'm thinking, mm, should I spray it? Shouldn't I spray it? And uh, so I'm going to. First thing, if you ever get anything like that, is to find out what it is in the first place and then, and then make a decision. It. Yeah, whether because you can either use a contact spray, yeah, or you can use a, a systemic spray, which goes into the leaf, can't you? So, yeah, and although but check it out first. And basically. although I am mainly wholly organic, it's actually making an absolute mess of the the virginia. So I would probably end up spraying. End up spraying this time. I think sometimes we have to. Yeah, and that's that's the problem, isn't it? So they are hopefully that's helped you. Uh, Graham, don't panic too much. If necessary, spray. But if not, wait till the spring. Wait till he's outside and then review it when you feed it up because that leaves lots of food to oh, make yeah, it work. yeah, yeah. Lots of food. Uh, let's go now to Steve. Hi, Steve. Oh, hello there. Good morning. Morning. Yeah. Good morning. Yeah, what it is, it's a, an olive tree. Yeah. 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 And, and uh, it's in a pot. I've had it in there for probably three to four years. Um, it's quite a big pot, 24 inch across. Um, the tree is about six foot tall. And it's always been fairly good. I, I feed it during the summer and spring. Um, but this year, since this winter, it started to, it lost a lot of leaves. And a lot of the leaves are sort of yellowy, got brown tinges to them. It's just not looking that healthy. I was wondering if there's anything I could be doing to it or is it the well, do you know, Do you know, because we've had two dry summers, mm-hmm. even though an olive is a Mediterranean plant, which can obviously take more drought conditions than our native plants here in the United Kingdom, because it's in a pot, it might have got really, really dried out. Sounds mm-hmm. like it a bit, Ken, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does, indeed. And because we haven't had the temperatures in which uh, leaf drop could occur if it, the temperatures have been really low, you might have got leaf drop for that. So... Looking back at the envi- other environmental conditions, it probably is due to the the hot weather we've been having and lack of water. Right. So, so what you could do is either one, you could either just make sure that you keep if you're going to keep it in a pot, keep it really well watered. Right. Yep. In the dry in the dry periods uh, that we've been having, and or you could plant it out in the garden in a nice sunny spot. Yeah, okay, they're the two options. Yeah. What about um, feed for it? Would that in, in the spring put a bit of feed? Or well, uh, it's it's not something that requires a like, huge amount of feed, does it, Ken? No, it's right. they're very they're, uh, once perhaps in the year would be yeah. quite sufficient. I would have thought. So, is it pot bound? Well, it's possibly. Um, it's a fairly, it's, it's a fairly biggish tree, a six-foot tree. I mean, that's big. Yeah. It is and big. how big's the pot? Did you say? It, it's about twenty-four inch across. It's a fairly tall pot. It's probably about twenty-four inches high. And are the roots on the surface, or are they sticking out the bottom? Or no, I haven't noticed that. You could take it out the pot. There's no harm in uh, sort of like just pull it not, out, tap the pot out. away. Yeah. Yeah. And then if it's pot bound, you could actually, and you, and, and you don't want to put it up into a bigger pot, you can trim some of the roots off that it's got and then just get some John and his number three compost yeah. and then just uh, you know chop a bit off the bottom, chop a bit off the sides and then put some fresh compost in the bottom and around the sides oh, right. and that'll have some feed in it. Oh, right, that'll be uh, maybe the way to go. Would that be best done in the spring? 
Do it in the spring, yeah. 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 Always do those things in the spring. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's lovely. Thanks you for your help you on could, that. You could check it now. You could actually tap it out now and, and have a check and have then a make a make a plan of action. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, lovely. Thanks for your help. And let, you know, let me know uh, when when you're make, when you're have, taking your olives with your um, your martinis, eh? Yeah. Yeah. We'll do. <laughs> I'm coming round for that. <laughs> That sounds good. All right, Steve. Thank you. We'll be back to your questions in just a little while. But right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, yes, Christina's got some top tips on what you could be getting on with in the garden. Oh, well, hello, Ken. It it is the season to be planting. It is, isn't it, already? Well, I always think spring is one of the better times, isn't it? Because we can see what's starting to emerge in our garden already, can't we? Yeah, certainly. Um... You can plant in the autumn and you can plant in the spring, but actually I've found that if you've got um, a season like we have at the moment where it's not too frosty and not too cold, you can plant throughout the winter Great. as well, especially if it's shrubs and mm. so on. Maybe with grasses, I would definitely wait to the springtime, you know, to round about March time. But this is great for planting your trees, your uh, definitely your trees and your shrubs and your herbaceous. Whether you've got little pockets in the garden to do or you're doing a complete border, it's fantastic. So make sure that you do good cultivation techniques before you actually plant. So make sure you either double dig it and add organic matter or you just go through the border, you fork it all and add organic matter on the top and then you give it a light tread and then a rake before planting. How simple as that. Get out yep. there, buy a few plants and get them in the garden. Yep. So if you, you've you got the option uh, to put fertiliser in or not, organic gardeners tend to put use just the mulch and then they allow their shrubs to take hold and you know, grow a little bit more slowly. Or if I was going to put a fertiliser down, mine... My favourite is an organic one, which is fish, blood and bone. Or you could use an inorganic one, such as um, Grow More. Works well, doesn't it? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, mm. lovely. Have you got a second tip for us? Second tip. Well, as well as the season to be planting, it is the season to be turfing. It is. Yeah, so we've gone past the sea for grass uh, for putting the seed down, which is the autumn and the spring. But if you want to put what re- really is mature plants down, the turf, uh, you can prepare your ground, you can fork it over, you can tread it with your heels instead of the flats of your feet that you would for planting, rake it, and rake it in two directions to get as many stones off as possible, and then get your turfs in. Uh, it'd be a good idea to get some old scaffold boards or some boarding to stand on while you're doing it, and then you can carry out your turfing at this time of year. And all you do is build them like a wall, don't you? Staggered. Staggered lines, don't you? Yeah. So the lines aren't all in line. That's right. So I like to lay a board around as well first. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I usually start at one end and yep. then work to the other end, but you do a, a border. As long as it's... As do long... a border and then fill in. Yeah. <laughs> There's, I suppose there's many ways to skin a cat, yeah, isn't there? And there so, are. Yeah. And then I did a, a toughen job with the students the other year there at Bittle University College, and it was a, an irregular-shaped area. And I went out to the area and I thought, oh, do you know, I should have just looked something up just to remind myself how to do an irregular area. And then I just went back to when I was a student, and I remember we did this sort of circular area. And you always turf the longest stretch first. So if it was a circle, you would do the middle of the circle. And then and you would work go out. work out out from each side from there so we chose in this irregular area the longest area and then worked out each side from there thanks very much christine the gardening hour podcast on bbc essex with ken crowther 
And Rosemary is coming back to us um, on kiwis. Is that right, Rosemary? Yes, that's right, yes. I've got two, uh, well, bushes, stroke trees. They're growing quite madly. They're both variety called Jenny. And um, we didn't do so well this year. They weren't so big because I think uh, lack of water earlier in the year. But last year we had over 50 beautiful fruits. Um, really? Yeah. And I left some of them on, on and we had a frost. And I thought, oh, dear, I've lost them. And I went down. <laughs> and they were beautiful. They just it hadn't touched it at all. But I think the Jenny is male and female on the same plant, isn't it, I believe? Yes, there are. A, I think there's a couple of varieties that do that, which is... Well, which I is, the Jenny, and they've been there probably 10 years. And yeah. for two or three years, they did nothing at all. And then we had suddenly lots of flowers and lots of fruit. So they obviously need to settle in. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, a couple of years and it's off. And you don't prune them at all, you say? We haven't done, but they're they're um, on a sort of eight-foot pergola and they've climbed all over. So this year they're going to have to be pruned just yeah. to keep them yeah. under control. But I, you said March, didn't you? Yeah, I wouldn't prune them till March and I would yeah. prune... I'd just keep your basic structure and yeah. then they'll side branch from that, which will work quite well. Well, the idea was to go sort of up and over and have them hanging yep. over the pergola. Yep. So yeah. that seems to be working. But yes, yeah. But so it is possible to grow them. I mean, I was quite surprised, but they do grow well. So, yeah. And that variety seems to be... Um, one of the better ones, isn't one it? One of the better ones, because mm. we have... I mean, we don't do anything with it. I don't feed it. I'm very bad. I don't do anything like that. <laughs> God, <laughs> no, that's and fantastic. It, you know, 50. Yes, yeah, we had 54, I think, and every one was lovely. And what did it taste like? Just like you buy, they're beautiful. Really? Yeah? Yes. Not yes. bitter? Or, no, yeah. no, 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 they're fine. This year's the smaller, but I think that was probably lack of water That'll earlier the on in the year. lack of water, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But we still had um, probably 30 this year, so... Oh, that's that's right. really that's good. I mean, if you can get that much from a, you know, from a plant in your own garden, you haven't even oh, got, yes. to go, got to go down the shop and buy one, have you? Well, that's right, that's right, yeah. Aren't they full of vitamin C? Um, they're they're supposed for, to be, aren't they? Um, they're good for your blood pressure. If you if you eat a kiwi fruit, it takes your blood pressure down. Right. Oh, yeah. It was on. Um, it was on one of the BBC programs um, about. Is it? Have you got to have three a day? It's I two don't know. Or three my, my husband yeah, just two has three one a day, a day and it yeah. always seems to work. It does take your blood pressure down, so it seems to be one of its. Benef- you know, benefit. So it's quite good to have them in the garden. Out of interest, was that one of the reasons why you actually had it? That you said your husband <laughs> no, takes no, it every it day. No, no, no. It was simply that we built a very thirty-foot um, round pergola and wanted things climbing over it. And wonder what the dickens to to do about it. Yeah. <coughs> yes. Excuse me. One of them, we decided on a kiwi for the white flowers. To be yeah. honest. Yeah. Didn't really expect to get the fruit, but we did, and that was lovely. So. Yeah, and they're, they're freely available. There is another one called, um, I think it's called Isae, uh, which actually <laughs> produces a grape-like one because there's the, where they're in clusters, like yes, a grape, yes. which is a bit interesting and as well. And as you said, there's now a, a yellow one, isn't there, which yeah. I might try. But um, yeah. So there yeah. are. Lots, lots of things to think about there. Yes, thank you. Bye. Thank, well, thank, thank you for your you. call. That's Rosemary from Braintree with some very positive uh, news about um, kiwis. That's amazing, 50 fruits. That's good, isn't it? Yeah. And it is a self-fertile variety. Um, if anybody's trying to email me, um, I have a problem with email. Well, we have a problem with email. It is telling me that it won't connect and there's something on the network that is not working. So 
That's if my, if you're emailing, don't email. Try and text me eight one triple three because the email is telling me it's not connecting. So I know a couple of you have sent emails, so I haven't got them. Try and text me instead. Thank you very much indeed. Um, when is the best time to lay a new lawn? Um, turf, not seed, and that's from Norman. Oh. Great time now, isn't it? Oh, it's brilliant time now. Yeah, so you can uh, you can do it any time. Really brilliant from October right through to about March. As long as it's time. not too wet, that's all you've got to worry about. Wet really, and frosty. Wet and frosty. And actually, if you can not do it when it's too windy, it'll dry the turfs out as well. You know, so ideally, a nice calm day. You know, something like today would be ideal. So what preparation have you got to do then, Christine? So you want to dig uh, your soil over to at least a depth of sort of 20 to 30 centimetres minimum and uh, dig it over and then you want to fork it down to get a good crumb structure and then you want to tread it. You want to tread it with not with the soles of your feet like you would normally do in a vegetable patch or a, a flower bed before planting. You want to do it with the soles of your feet because you need a really nice firm uh, bed to put your seed or your tufts down on. And so you tread the whole lot and then you rake it. And I would recommend if you're going to put your tufts down to rake it in two directions. So you rake it in one direction and get all the stones and the debris off. And then once you've got all of that away, rake it in the opposite direction. And then hopefully it should be nice and level. Because you've treaded it, you've got any of these um, air pockets out. So it should be really nice and level, ready for your tufts. So we were actually discussing tuff this morning. We were, earlier yeah. Yeah, so uh, we were all saying that um, if it's a nice square area for putting your tufts down, um, that I would actually start from one side and then work my way back. But Ken does a nice... No, I do a border down the side, because that way you hold them in and they don't open up all the way down the sides. Yeah. That's so, what I was taught, you see. Yeah. I was taught all those years ago, and you never forget, do you? And we said many ways to skin a cat. That's right. But one of the a big tip for you is yeah. go and get a scaffold board or get an old bit plank of wood of that to to actually it stand help, on to work it? on. So you're not uh, so you're distributing your weight when you're working when you're standing on the soil rather than making big uh, footprints and having to continually rake over it. So there, are, there's what you should be doing, and well. Come on, it's gardening. It's time to get out there. Call 0800 111 Text Essex to 8133. Tweet at BBC Essex. This is BBC Essex. Don't forget it. Emma Bullimore is up after 12 o'clock. Yes, she is talking about mementos you've kept from your wedding and she'll start the show with something a little different. Have to stay tuned to find out what that is. So they are join Emma straight after the gardening programme at 12 o'clock. Um, let's go now to Graham from Braintree. He's given us a call on that phone number, which is 0800 111 And what do you got for us, Graham? Uh, I've got a problem with my wallflowers this year. Oh, there's nothing worse than a problem with your wallflowers, is there? <laughs> no, they were about nine inches high when I put them out. Yeah. I did, with me pansies. The pansies yeah. are pretty good, they are. Not growing too quick at the moment. But the wallflowers, for some reason, they've shrunk down to about five inches high. They're little stumpy things. Hang on, they were how high? Nine, nine inches high when I put them out, and they grew 
They did to about, have, as I say, have, nine inches high. Have they been eaten or no. have they died back? No, they just sort of shrunk. They're, if you look at them, they're sort of miniatures. I reckon you've been washing them in the wrong washing powder. Uh, <laughs> and the water was too hot. Yes. <laughs> Are you sure they haven't been How nibbled? They shrunk. They can't yeah, the shrink. ground is uh, nice and light, that is, and that's manured every two years, that yeah. is. And that's kept nice and light, but they've just shrunk. And I thought, well, I'll try something. i put them in, uh, dig them up, put them in pots, half of them in the house and half of them left outside. Yeah. But uh, nothing's happening. There's uh, one or two of them have got the little tiny flowers on top, but they're so miniature compared with what they normally are. Oh, you mean uh, compared to other wallflowers that you normally have in the ground? It could be a dwarf variety. Yeah, it could be a dwarf variety. Because there are, aren't they? Sometimes it looks like they shrink back a bit when it's the really cold weather and you get a bit bit of leaf dropping up. It's not been cold that we're seeing today. No, um, no, but uh, when I bought them, they're the normal ones. They are not the miniatures. They're not. They're the large ones. I normally don't have a problem. But this year, they've shrunk back. But they're terrible. But they're green. They've got good green. Uh, yes, they haven't, yeah, they a haven't grey got, green. Not they haven't got club grey, root, have they? Yes. Have you dug them up to see if they've got club root? Yeah, I have, and uh, they look all right. The root systems are fine? Yes. No answer. Yeah. Um, You've stumped us. Well, I thought. I wondered if, <laughs> if well, they were just too, you know, the ground was too wet for them. Well, they don't, no, no plant likes being in saturated conditions... But they'll go yellow. The the leaves will yellow and drop if it's too wet, won't they? Yeah. Yes, yes, they will. But the leaves are green at the no, moment. That's not the problem then. So the only the only thing that's that's different is that they've shrunk in size. So it's yes, not it's not like they've gone brown. It's not like the the leaves are looking terrible. It's just that they've shrunk. Yeah, they just tr- shrunk. And they look like miniatures. <laughs> well, and no leaves have dropped. No, nothing at all. I reckon, well, you might you, get a new spurt of growth in the spring. Do you know the only thing I can think of is that really that it has been nibbled by something. Yeah, sometimes, it like. sometimes I've looked at plants at Rittle University College and then and thought, oh my goodness, you know, um, you know, the, there's something, some, you know, mm. the florists have been at them and uh, going to send an email, please stop uh, cutting Coming. back my plants. Uh, but actually, oh, it's because they've shrunk, off. but it's been eaten off by deer. Yeah. No, no. Well, uh, I think hopefully the spring will come, well, not too far away. They'll regrow and then produce you flower, although I think you're going to get your flower a little bit later than normal. Yeah? Yes, as I say, I've got uh, one well, or two Why little... don't you send us in a picture? Oh. Yeah, send us a picture. Can you do that? No, I'm afraid I can't. I'm not with modern technology, I'm afraid. OK, well, that's <laughs> no problem. i tell you yes. what then, do. What, give, it a, give it a month or so. Give us another call and let us know how they get on. How about that? Yep. Can you do that? Fine. Lovely. Thank you very much. That's a pleasure. Thank and uh, we've just been sent that picture of that golden maple. And, yes, it has got all its leaves, hasn't it? It has, yeah. Earlier on we were talking about a gold maple um, and it's still more or less got a good it's, majority of its leaves on. It's a bit brown on one side, but yeah. the other side is perfect, isn't it? Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, 
we've got uh, right we go back to the phones now we've done wallflowers we're going to fox david david Orthorn. Orthorn. yes Hello. down near um what's it yeah burnham yes correct right what can we do for you dave right i bought a bare-rooted foxtail lily in a big nursery at near tip tree you uh-huh. know the one yes um 20 years ago i bought one at van Hague's and planted it in a about two foot uh container and it, it grew lovely and you know about five to six foot tall massive flowers attracted bees it flies everything you know uh-huh. yeah um so I've got this bare-rooted uh, foxtail lily. It looks like, like a, sort of... a spider crab. For one yeah, of that's right. No, they right. do indeed. It's in a cardboard box in my boot. I've had it three weeks. haven't planted it. It'll be getting um, lonely. Could you be- give get- me some advice on that? <laughs> I was going to say, it'll be getting lonely sitting in the boot, you know. You ought to yeah, get it out of the boot. Will, but I want to get it in the ground. And, and our, uh, right. Okay. very clay. Okay, uh, Dave, so you've got a clay soil. Is it very saturated at the moment? At the moment, it's quite wet. What would you do with it, Christine? I'd put it in a pot, wouldn't you, at the moment, then? Yeah, you put it in a pot, or you could get some grit and then add it to the soil and mix it up, but probably put it in a pot for the moment. How deep do I need to put this? It's like, uh, as I say, like a spider. Uh, It's got a crown in the middle... Uh, which looks like it's on the way, ready to sort of start coming up. Mm. But I need to get it in the ground, and obviously those I... uh, roots, like the spider-shaped yeah. roots, I need to keep them like that in the ground, don't I? A, a bit that way. They go sideways. But Dave, did you say? Are you happy to put it in a pot for now and then plant it on? I haven't when... got a pot big enough. Okay, really. so we're going to put it in the ground. So, Christine, uh, no, what... I don't mind getting the pot, but I mean like. It Do you know where you could put it? At least it, eighteen inches diameter for it to sit in there. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, I'm just worried if it, if this wet weather keeps uh, keeps up, that it might yeah. actually. Um, it, it's got the rot. capacity to rot off. So what we do with things like dahlias, which are quite big, we get bread crates or some sort of crate. Any old box. Yeah, Any old the, box would do, Yeah, a it? box, and then we, we line put it with newspaper, and then we put some compost on it, and then put the, the dahlia bulb where you could put your erimuris. Leave it outside. Put, and then you could uh, then just put a bit of compost over the top. If you did have to plant it, which, you know, sometimes you just got to do you know things at particular times i would get some grit and add it to the soil and then plant it and can you see where um where there's an old stem coming up uh no it's like a crown from yeah the, that's right that's, yeah, yeah that's no that's where the stem will come from yeah, yeah uh, and sometimes they might have a, a a stem an old stem coming from the well you want to put it under the ground and Ken, how, how deep would you put it the crown only just fits sits just, about just, an inch under just the ground. under isn't it yeah just under the ground, that's it. So could I plant this in a, a say, a box? Yes. Uh, with the mixed soil, like compost with yep. some grit, etc., and then replant it into the ground? Yep. Absolutely. Well, and that's what we would... that later, and when's that, a good time? And that's what we would recommend. Any time, once the weather gets a bit dry and your soil yeah. is not soggy, that's all we're at, yeah. trying to go so avoid. So that would probably be round about March time, Yeah, give it? it a month or so. Yeah. Which is a good time for me to go out in the garden and and start work again. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> okay then, Dave. All right. Okay. Yeah. Back to your calls, text shortly. But let's take a final look at the top tips Christine's got for us. 
Well, in the wintertime, it's sometimes quite a good idea when you're looking for jobs to think about things that you wouldn't normally get around to doing in the busy season when you're cutting, your, you know, when you're weeding and cutting the grass and so on. And I think this is a particularly good time of year to sort out your compost heap. So perhaps you've got a compost heap that's not breaking down very quickly or, you know, that you've got bits of big stick in there, etc., etc. So here's a little tip for you. If you've got one of these little Dalek type bins that you've oh, got yes. in the back, <laughs> in the back, I call them yeah. Daleks, yeah. They all the like it. Yeah. Or you've got these little square ones. Why not think about taking the whole load out? So lift your Dalek bin up, take everything out, and then people tend to not cut up their material into yeah. like smaller amounts. And that's that's a great tip for trying to get your compost to break down really quickly is to break it into smaller bits so that you've got a greater surface area and therefore of your material and therefore it will break down quicker. So yeah. you could some of it might be quite dry, so you might want to water it as you put it back in. Um, and so take it all out and then put it back in again. So cut it all up, water if it's dry, and then if you've got lots of grass in that, try and get some... Yeah, mix it through, yeah. Yeah, try and get some brown material such as leaves and that to mix in. So you should be sort of getting some new fresh material, so it, well, your grass and your greeny stuff. You should try to be getting about 50% of that and then 50% of brown material, which is made up of leaves and old wood and stuff like that. So, uh, So put that back in. And yeah, and you could start maybe putting something like chicken pellets in that'll speed, speed up. it up. Speed won't it up. Yeah, it's mm. called a compost, a natural compost accelerator. And you, you can buy compost accelerators anyway, can't you? You can, yeah, mm. yeah. So an organic way would be if you were going to do it with the chicken pellets, and then but you can buy stuff in the shops anyway. So they are. There's your compost sorted. What yep. else you got for us? And the last one is, well, at this time of year, when the leaves have all fallen off the deciduous trees and so on, it's a really good time to have a look through and perhaps thin out some crossing branches mm. so you can remove these without damaging or your tree. So if when you take off a, a branch of your tree, whether it be small or sort of medium size, if it's got leaves on it, it'll start to weep with the sap. So this is a great time of year to do it. So when you cut it off, because it's dormant, it won't. Uh, the sap won't come out of it, and it's uh, it's a great way of. Oh God, okay. No, but what we're not talking about there is we're not talking about just fruit trees. We're talking about ornamental trees as well, aren't we? Yeah. So um, talking about uh, trees such as apple trees, you can cut back about a third of the growth mm-hmm. from last year from these, um, and then don't do your plum trees. Do no. You- Got to leave them till summer, haven't we? Yeah, got to do do them a little bit later. So, yeah, so what I would recommend, especially if you're doing your uh, fruit trees, if you're using secateurs, if the branches are small enough, to sterilise them in between doing one fruit tree and the next. You can move bacteria very easy, can't you? You can, yeah. And so, so yeah, so that's a, another top tip is just to go through your trees and start thinning them out, thinning out crossing branches, pruning your fruit trees. And the other thing that you can do in your tree, trees is to lift the crown. Oh, yes, so that you can actually walk underneath them a bit yeah. easier. So if you've got a, a tree that you've maybe planted in the last five years or so, um, it's grown up c- quite considerably by now. And so the bottom branches need lifting up. So that means... You from can the remove trunk, some of them? You can remove some of them, yeah. Probably uh, you want to leave round about two-thirds of them on the top and remove the lower ones. Yeah, you can get a nice, better-shaped tree that way, can't you? Yeah, you certainly can. We said we'd go to South Woodham, didn't we? And we said we'd talk to Roger. Hi, Roger, what you got for us? Good morning to you both. Hello. Hi. 
Um, it's about an amaryllis. Um, we've, I've got one which is absolutely beautiful, although it's coming to the end of its bloom now. And I'd like to, if I can, save it for next year. Do I treat it in the same way as I would treat a, a, a daffodil, for example? Do you know you're not far off, actually, if you think about it? Um, you need to keep the leaves growing at the moment. You wait till the stem dies, goes, the, the, the flower will, have, will go, so you cut the flower off or, or take the flower off. Mm-hmm. Um, then as the stem goes yellow, you will then remove that. Right. Keep it ticking over. In other words, keep it mildly uh, damp. Right. The leaves will stay green. And then in the spring, when the frosts have gone, take it outside. Uh-huh. Let it enjoy the summer outside and don't worry too much about watering it once you get into the summer. Then about September time, start watering and feeding it again and it will come back into life. Now, it's in a, it's in a pot that hasn't got a hole in the bottom and it's a tiny little pot. So right. when, I, when I, I, I can quite happy to keep it as it is for the time being. No, but when you put it outside, you're then going to have to repot it because if it hasn't got a hole so and it rains a lot, it will... It'll, it'll, um, It'll, right. it'll flood it and then rot. Yeah. So what, repot it in the spring, Ken? Yes, repot yeah. in the spring. Repot it in the spring. And, and shall I use ordinary potting compost? Yep. Yeah, multi-purpose yeah, would be, be fine. Yeah, that'd be fine. And, and should I feed it at all? With, no, um, you don't feed, or... no, you don't feed at all until it comes back into growth in the autumn. And then feed it with tomorite? Uh, no, I'd use a general food, actually, because yeah. you need the leaf to work as well. So, combination. If you've got tomorite for your Uh tomatoes and other stuff, do every other feed. One normal, one one tomorite. And what do you describe as a normal? Well, just like a plant food. Any plant food. Any plant food. Just get general house plant food. Yeah, or maxi crop, any of those. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, fine. Is that all right, Roger? Yes, thanks very much indeed. That's a pleasure. Thank you. There they are. Bringing, looking after amaryllis and getting them into the future. Why not? Because they are a great-looking flower. Oh, they're lovely. Talking of um, things that we have indoors, Graham from Bishop's Dorford is talking peace lily, aren't you, Graham? That's right, Ken. My wife had a peace lily given to her many years ago, and it lasted in all for about twenty years. Oh she, wow! We, yeah, yeah, and it was it was beautiful. We we bought one last year, and it didn't do a thing. So my main question is. Um, when is the best time to buy a peace lily? Well, I would say any time, in yeah. theory. Yeah, if you went, if you yeah. went into a garden Because house, house plants are yeah. having a real boost at the moment. Their sales yeah. in garden centres are up something like 4.5%, which, of course, is be- beating most of the retail trade at the moment. Yeah. So house yeah. plants are on a winner. Peace lilies are very popular. And as you quite rightly say, Graham, it, they These are quite robust, years. aren't they? They're easy. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. yeah, yeah we, you know, we, we sort of spread it around. You know, you you cut it open, put some more in another pot, give it to people, and this was happening for years. But this one but just one didn't grow. Eventually. Did you? I mean, did you try? You didn't try moving this new one around at all. No, it just it was it was about a year ago, and it was sick. You right. know, it, well, it, maybe when you it, bought it, it, it wasn't area. in great health. No, I don't think it was at all. Yeah. And I, I think it was, in effect, a bad buy yeah. uh, for that particular plant. 
Go to so, a good. So it's, it's just a question of luck of wherever I go and uh, or wherever we go and, and try and get another. Go so, to a well, good garden centre yeah. would be best, wouldn't it? Chris? Yeah, go to yeah. a good garden centre and make sure that when you have a look, that you really have a look at the plant and inspect the leaves. You know, I would say yeah. that for yeah. even if it's an outdoor or an indoor plant, just check for pests and disease. Check yeah. the weight of it as well to see if it's been watered, if it's, if it's been dry. Mm. chances are it's not just the first time it's been dry it's been dry you know many times before that which induces stress in plants and so on Mm. so go to somewhere where they actually take care of their plants when they're in there uh, you know when they're in the on display and so on and then usually that's a good indicator that you'll be buying a decent plant Lovely, thanks very much. That's a pleasure. That's Graham from thanks. Bishop Salford. Uh, we've got John in Brentwood and John in Billericay as well in just a moment. But uh, in fact, one of those is a houseplant as well. Uh, I've got an email now which seems to have woken up again. Alan Mabbott uh, is asking, he said, I talked about a organic moss remover, which I did the other week. And to the person who actually wrote to me and said, we don't talk organics, we do talk organics as well on this programme. Uh, one of the ones that I'd use was called, I think, Mobacter. This one that he talks about is from New Newdorf, which is called Clean Lawn Moscular. So there's a couple of uh, those that you can use. But the instructions state that it should not be used between September and April. And I think that's the way it works, because an organic one will not be using chemicals it, it, yeah. because it's organic. Yeah. A lot of them, are, some of them are things like citrus base and all sorts of things in them. Um he says his moss is going to be worse by April. Well, it will be. Yeah. But the reason you do it in April is because that's when it's worse, because you've come yes. to the end of the, well, yeah. the beginning of the summer when you want new growth. And most of the organic ones will rot the moss yeah. and put it back as nutrient into the soil. Right, OK. So I think that's answered you, Alan. I hopefully wait till April and, yes, do it then. I'm going to go back to the phones now and talk to John from Billericay. We're talking lilies. Indoor or out, John? Uh, well, they're outdoor, but they're indoors at the moment. Good morning, Ken. Yep. Um, I bought uh, several, ten, ten or so from the, the well-known people, and I put them in my greenhouse in pots, and now they've come up. It's an unheated greenhouse. Hello? Yeah, I'm listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're listening oh, to you. Sorry, yeah. sorry, I've got another in the room. Uh, and uh, it's unheated greenhouse, and they've come up. They're about three or four inches tall now. I'm wondering whether I can put them out and take a chance with the weather or not, because I don't particularly want them to be in the greenhouse. Well, if if they're in the the greenhouse, it's a bit like hardening out them off. You could you could probably get away with it if you put them out, but just if you've got a really hard frost. Mm, could be a bit debatable, would you yeah, think? Yeah, I think Ken? I'd leave it in the greenhouse, I think, and Ideally, not worry about the shoots, yeah. would you? Yeah. Well, they've been planted six weeks ago, so they're, you know, they're coming on quite well, but I'm, I'm frightened of sticking them out just in case. I think you've got a risk putting them out because, as Christine was saying, if we get really harsh weather, which we don't know, we can't yeah. predict no. what we're going to get. I think you could damage them. On the other hand, you could put them out and watch the weather. You know what I would yeah. do as well. What would you do? I would I would keep them in the pots because if yeah. if they're in if they're in a protected environment in a glass house, even though they're not heated, um, they're still going to be brought on in terms of the growth rate. So what you could do is you could actually put them outside the greenhouse or put them outside a shed or a standing out area. And if you're going to get some really hard frost, you could then just bring them in the greenhouse yep. for that oh. period of time and then put them out and then put them out. You know, perhaps round about March time. 
Right. Okay, that's fair enough. And All right. Could I just one other thing, Ken? Very I've quickly, yeah. Moss growing, on, yeah, moss growing on my flower beds. It's in a sheltered position. Uh, how can I get rid of moss? Well, you basically can't on a bed very easily. I would honestly cultivate. You need to keep the bed cultivated. Okay. So lightly for or use it. Grit and sand might help it a bit, mightn't it, Christine? But yeah, um, or even add an organic matter because yeah. that, that helps open up the soil as well. So something something light like a you know compost from your compost heap or mushroom compost or something like that is an organic mulch on the surface. Yeah, and keep cultivating it. John from Brentwood. All kids were talking. Is that right, John? Morning. Yes. Morning, Ken. Can I just mention my factor? Yeah. I've used it for two seasons. Uh huh done anything at all in fact if anything i think it's fed it <laughs> it does fe- it does feed the law but yes i mean remember that moss will always come back because moss is a problem a of the ground it's a symptom yeah. of the ground but anyway let's do yeah. your orchid because i'll run out of time otherwise right. right i've got an orchid don't know anything about them i've had an orchid for two or three years and it keeps giving these it's got two long stems on it which at right angles have got fresh green ones with a, yep. a greeny yellow tip to them. Is that the flower or is what? Because they're also coming out of the base and going down into the... into the. No, uh, if they've soil. got a, a creamy tip to them, they're the root, aren't they, Christine? Yes, yeah. No, if, oh, these aren't cream. These creamy are green, sweet. creamy green. Yes. Yes, that will be the tip, which is the root. Why is the root then coming up uh, probably... 10 inches up from the pot. Because they're aerial roots, and that's what they do in, in natural in, in the yeah. natural conditions. A lot of orchids grow on trees. Ah, right. Yeah, and then they're just brought into cultivation and potted up and then sold as houseplants. But if you grow and see them naturally, uh, they're epiphytic plants, which you'll find in trees. So they are. That's your answer. Um, is it all right to cut my Cliff Richard rose back? It's in a large pot on the deck. Yeah. Uh, you could give it a, a little winter prune at the moment by taking some of the, the heavy heads off of it, the old seed heads and so on, and then give it a, a, you know more of a prune in the springtime. I must thank you very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, download it. Yes, take the programme with you wherever you go via the BBC Sounds app. If you've got a gardening question for us that you'd like to ask us, why not give us a call on 0800 4041 and be part of the programme? Yes, that's every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11.